Hi, I'm Tiffany, and you are listening to the Legacy Lounge Podcast. If you are a high-achieving, mission-driven entrepreneur who wants to elevate your income, impact, and influence, you're in the right place. I left my corporate career as a creative director for Fortune 500 brands to create a legacy with my work and to support entrepreneurs to do the same. And I'm not talking about having your name on a building or statues in your image. I'm talking about leaving behind a positive impact and creating something enduring that can be passed on. You pour your time, energy, and passion into your business. So let's make sure your efforts will create a ripple effect that reaches far into the future. Each monthly series will guide you through the business, leadership, and life skills you need to successfully leave a legacy that stands the test of time. And each episode is totally valuable on its own. We are here to provide you with the tools and ideas to make massive shifts and quantum leaps in your business, transforming you from entrepreneur into legacy brand. So sit back, relax, and let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome. I am so excited to interview a legacy leader who is super aligned with the values we hold here at Your Legacy Brand, Kristen Westcott. Kristen helps online coaches and course creators increase their sales with ethical, conscious copy that attracts and converts their ideal clients. She's driven by her passion to help female-owned businesses thrive in an online culture that rewards hustle and hard work. She believes it's possible to have a thriving business that aligns with us without putting us on the path to burnout. Kristen also has been through our own Legacy Brand Foundations program, and along with serving her own clients, serves part-time on my team as a website copywriter. So Kristen really knows what it takes to have a legacy brand. And the theme this month in the Legacy Lounge is brand story. So I've asked Kristen to join us to talk about her own career, as well as to have a discussion to further what I've already shared about brand story versus personal story and what it means to ensure your copy is truly conscious and ethical, because Kristen is an expert on that as far as I'm concerned. So Kristen, first of all, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks, Tiffany. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Amazing. So my first question for you is I'd love for the audience just to know a little bit more about you and your work in the world and the journey that you've been on to get to where you are now, because I know that you have a really robust background and experience and it kind of culminated into being a copywriter for conscious entrepreneurs and serving entrepreneurs with anxiety. And I feel like we all have journeys and it's always amazing to hear that journey from other people's perspective to know that they're not the only ones, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, if we really want to get into the conscious copy piece, it circles back to when I started university. So I majored in sociology and the university I attended had a focus on social justice. And so I did an undergraduate and a master's in sociology where we talked a lot about the injustices of the world. We talked about issues of race, class, sex, gender, ability, all kinds of elements of that. Um, And with my degree, I went on to serve in a different capacity. I worked in law firms. I worked at the university doing learning skills strategy. And then I had my children. And when I had my children, 
both my daughters, I experienced really extreme postpartum depression um, and was working with a therapist at the time who recommended that I look into getting a hobby or something that was just for me because I'd been so ingrained in the academic world that I didn't really have anything that I did outside of, of that work. Mm-hmm. And when I started Googling all of these things, of course, what came up was a lot of life coaching programs, health coaching programs, things like that. Um, and so I looked into that and I actually registered and started a program to become a health coach. So I got certified as a health coach and a life coach, but knew nothing about running a business as most people do when you go from just learning about this new online space. And so I, of course, started to register for all kinds of programs in the online space about how to run a business when you're just getting started and messaging and niching and all of those pieces. But because I had such a background in academia, I, of course, didn't take one course at a time. I took multiple courses at a time and was in the Facebook groups for all of those courses. And what I ended up finding was that after my kids went to bed each night, so I would go to work, work all day, come home, I would be mom. And then after the kids went to bed, I would hop online and I would be interacting in Facebook groups and I would be getting on Zoom calls with other women. And what I was doing was I was actually supporting them in all the other pieces that I was learning in the courses that they weren't in, right? So I was like, oh, well, you know, with what we're learning in this course, you could add this element or that element. And I started really helping them focus on the entire funnel or their customer journey or all the other messaging pieces that I had been learning in the other courses. And I got thinking, wait a minute, this is actually a thing, right? Like this is actually, (laughs) I could turn this into what I did online. I could be, I didn't feel comfortable calling myself a business coach because I was just getting started. But what I did was I looked at, okay, what am I doing? Well, I'm helping them project plan launches. I'm helping them really kind of get all the assets together. I'm helping them figure out different tech pieces that I'd already learned. And so I looked more into what, what was that? Like, what was that called? And of course we know in the online space, there's so many different names for everything that's oh my gosh, out there. Yes. <laughs> and so what I landed on was like, maybe this was an OBM, right? That, right. Maybe that's what this was. And so I started looking more into what does it take to be an OBM? And I actually stumbled into another program, um, where I got certified as a director of operations. And I don't want to get into the difference between the two today, but essentially what it was, was as a director of operations, I was running the back end of the business, right? I was kind of the right-hand person. Mm-hmm. I managed the team, the projects, the processes, right? Kind of kept all the ducks in a row so that the the CEO, the business owner could be the face of the business, could focus on visibility, could focus on their energy around the launch. And I did that for a couple of years and the pandemic hit in the middle of that. And at the time the pandemic hit, my kids were three and five and they came home. And so I lost all external support. And oh I was my trying gosh, to run. Yes. Yeah, it was, I, again, I don't want to get into that tangent there, but suffice to say, right, three-year-olds can't even open an applesauce by themselves, right? I had to do everything and entertain them while I was still running the back end of three different companies. So I was fractional in three different companies, which meant managing three different teams, three different sets of projects, three different sets of quarterly launches, and 2020 had several other things happen at the same time. We That's where we saw the initial uh, Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. um, really came to the forefront. We had several other political things with the American election. A lot of stuff was happening that year, which meant every business I was running was pivoting. Yes. Right. Pivot was of- the word. I think it still is, but <laughs> pivot think- was definitely the word then. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, so many gifts that went along with that. Um, right. But so 
I kept thinking, oh my God, I can't do this. I can't do this. And it was like, oh, six more weeks and we're going to reevaluate. Six more weeks, right? Every government was saying, in six weeks, we're going to reevaluate. And it got to the end of 2020. And I was like, what am I doing? I am exhausted. I am burnt out. And what, what am I doing? This is not why I got into business. This is, I'm not life coaching. I'm not business coaching. I'm not, what is happening here? How am I contributing? And I really had to sit and look and reflect on what was it that I wanted to do, which at the time I didn't know was create a legacy, right? But that was essentially what was missing was mm. I wasn't feeling like I was actually doing anything bigger, right? I didn't have right. that. My why had disappeared. My purpose had shifted. Given everything that was going on in the world at the time, I had no idea what that looked like. And so I spent a lot of time journaling and trying to figure that out. I joined legacy brand foundations and really tried to kind of work through what was my legacy brand. And through that development and through that discussion was when I ended up shifting into copywriting. Mm -hmm. um, because for a couple of reasons, so this circles back to when I went to school, I was really involved in social justice and right everything that was happening with the Black Lives Matter movement really made me feel guilty that I wasn't participating in that conversation when that had been such a big part of my life before I had children. And so I was working through all of these emotions and all of these pieces and thought, where do I contribute to this conversation? Mm -hmm. As a white woman, what is my role in this and where do I contribute? Yes. And what it came back to was I, I could not at all speak to what it was like to, to experience the world other than as the position of a white woman with privilege. But what I could do is I could support the online marketing space to be more conscious and more ethical in the way we spoke to our audience. And so that's when I decided to shift into copywriting, which before had never felt right to me because the model of copywriting that was out there, the launch format and the types of emails and content we were putting out in the online space really did not sit well with me. Um, and so I thought, well, I can do this a different way and I can help other people do this a different way. And that's when I ended up making this shift into copywriting and focusing more on ethical and conscious copywriting. Yes. Oh, so good. And thank you for sharing that because I know it's quite a journey, but I think it's so important for people to hear the whole backstory. It's like you came full circle and you brought, you, you gathered all these tools and really amazing things over the way. So I just love to, when we work together, you know, it's like always, I know you're timely, you know, the back end of businesses, you know, how the online world works and you know the conscious piece. So it's so beautiful when all of those things come together. And when you run a values-based business, like myself and all of my clients do, that's a huge piece of it. And we've seen that huge shift over the past three years. And I think so many of us, especially as women, you know, went through some sort of feelings like you did with like having the kids home and reevaluating how much we were working. And oh my gosh, I think we could go on a tangent about that. But um, I think it's just so beautiful that it, it did come for full circle. And so you can do something that you love and then also weave in like what you're super passionate about and like what you went to school for. And it's just so awesome. So thank you for sharing that. And I want to get a little bit into the conscious piece a little bit more, a little bit later on, but since this month is all about brand story in the legacy lounge, I'd love to start there and as a copywriter and all of the other pieces of the online business and world that you know about, 
how important do you think it is to have your brand story nailed down? Because this is something that I think a lot of people don't realize, like you said, especially when you there's all the things as an entrepreneur to think about and to learn. Um, but I found that it's one of the biggest pieces that people are missing. And I just love to hear it. They heard it from my perspective in earlier episodes. So if you haven't heard that, go back and listen, but I'd love to hear it from another perspective. Yeah. So, I mean, brand story has always been important. It's always been a way for you to set yourself apart from other businesses for people to understand. Because one of the things you hear a lot in the online space is like, there are thousands of people doing what I'm doing. How do I stand out? And the way you stand out is through your brand story. And that has become even more important, right, in the the post-pandemic world, because like I said, Black Lives Matter really started a chain reaction in social movements and really recognizing what it was that we were doing, whether we were remaining silent or whether we were actively contributing, we were making decisions and choices. And so your brand story and your brand positioning and talking about your values throughout that brand story really helps consumers, your audience, make a decision about who they want to work with, where they want to put their money, because we vote with our money, right? With where we Absolutely. where we choose to spend mm-hmm. is, is casting a vote for the way we want the world to operate in the future. And many people are becoming more conscious about the decisions they're making and who they're choosing to work with and where they're choosing to allocate their money. And for, for you to be able to understand and communicate to them, your brand's positioning, your brand story is, is really important in today's online marketing world and, and offline as well, but even more important um, in the online space. Yeah, so, so true. And so I also shared the difference between brand story and your personal story. So this is something that people tend to get confused because they just think of story and they think of their brand story being about themselves. So if you didn't go back and listen, again, go ahead and do that. But really quickly, your brand story is really like Kristen is saying, the positioning where you're speaking to your ideal clients and really allowing them to come in and to get to know who you're serving, why you're serving, your values, all those things, where your personal story is your background. So Kristen, you just shared a snippet, a big piece of your personal story. So my next question is around that. So, you know, when we're talking about websites, because you also write websites, you write all kinds of copy, where do you think the personal story comes in and how important is that as well from your eyes? So Again, I think it depends on the position of your brand. Are you the face of your brand or is your brand a bigger company with several people operating behind it as a, as a team? And if you are a personal brand, like many entrepreneurs are, then your personal story becomes a, a portion of your brand story. You're going to want to weave that throughout your copy in your about page really Um, really strongly is going to focus quite a bit on that, but also through other elements of your copy, through your services page, through your homepage, um, most definitely in the emails that you're communicating with your audience. But if you're a larger, a larger brand where you're, you know, you don't have one person as the face of the company, you're still going to want to weave those personal elements into your copy. So your, your brand story, your company story is going to take forefront. But Mm -hmm. we always want to know who is behind that brand, who are the people we're going to be interacting with on a daily basis. If you've got 10 people on the team, right, we want to know who are they, what are their values, what are their experiences, how did they get to working for this company, how do we know that they're going to be the ones that are going to be able to support us with this problem. 
um, many people have had some negative experiences with, you know, with working with larger companies that make one promise and maybe don't necessarily fulfill or deliver on the back end. And including your personal story and and that of your team, like the core team members, maybe not everybody, but the core team members becomes an important part of them being able to trust your brand as well, because they can trust the people that they're going to be working with directly. Mm, Yeah, so true. And I feel like the reason I want to touch on that is I do have people sometimes when we're creating their brand and they're like, oh, I just, you know, the brand story makes sense. I want to talk to my audience. I want to talk and make it about them. Well, actually I see it one of two ways, either that, or they're so focused on themselves and only talking about how I can help you and all the languages, I, I, I. So it's really this magical place of when you know the brand story and you have the personal story, you weave those in together, like you said, because so often I do have people who are like, oh, my personal story is very personal and I don't really don't want to share that. But the truth is, you know, we know so many of us have read Brene's Brown's books around vulnerability or different things like that. Um, and people want to get to know, like, and trust you. And if you just have a, a front over the business without any personality, like you're saying, that can lead to people not really having the trust they have. And there's also that balance of how much do you share? Make sure your personal stories are relevant. You don't need to share. Vulnerable doesn't mean you share every little detail. So there's there's definitely a balance too, which we won't get into all, all of that now, but um, that's so true. And I love that you said like you that weaving together is like really the key. Um, so now that we covered that, because conscious copy and ethical copy is, can definitely be a part of the brand story, part of the personal story, but that goes into your website. It goes into your content. Um, And with the brands that we create, it's so, so important to me because I think the age of like the bro marketing and um, the different tactics that were being used that people feel like, oh, I feel icky being salesperson. So I really like to look at sales as invitations. Like how can you truly help people? So diving more back into that conscious and ethical copy, can you first describe a little bit more about what that means, which you did, but um, just, you know, if somebody's like, okay, I get it. You want to be conscious and ethical, but like, what are like a few examples, for instance, and then, um, and then we'll just go from there. Yeah. So the first thing I want to note is that like, I'm not the ethics police, right? And so there's no like, bar there's no rules of like this is Mm. ethical this is unethical this is conscious this is not conscious but the goal is as you're doing things in your brand whether you're writing an email a social caption doing a video or any of those pieces copy can be spoken or can be written any of those elements you need to be doing it like consciously not letting your subconscious kind of take things away or not doing things the way they've always been done you need to sit down and say okay why am i doing it this way and making sure that the choices and the decisions you're making are completely in alignment with your brand values, with your personal values, and with what you think is best for your particular audience. And so there's lots of debates around things like, should we use countdown timers or not use countdown timers? And again, there's no right or wrong answer here. You have to really think, okay, why am I using the countdown timer? Am I using this countdown timer to help people make a decision? Because a lot of neurodivergent people need that to help them make the final decision. Um, or am I using this because I want people to make 
I want them to buy and I don't care whether they're the right people at all. I just want to fill my program with people. And so you making that distinction in your head will help you determine whether or not the countdown timer is right for you. So again, there's no ethical right or wrong. It's being conscious of the choices that you're making about what you include or exclude from things. Um, there's discussion around payment plans being marked up. So for example, full pay is this much and then payment plan, they pay typically around 20% more. Again, there's no right or wrong answer there, but you have to ask yourself, why, why am I doing this? Is it in alignment with my brand values? What are some of my brand values that would help influence this decision? Um, you know, some people's brand say that, well, I have to hire an administrative assistant to deal with payments. If credit people change their credit cards and the payment bounces, then my administrative assistant has to kind of contact them, right? I mean, there's various reasons that can you can make a case for the payment plan. And if that's what you wanna do, then, then that's the choice you make, but you make it consciously. Other people's brand values are might be different in lines of more of affordability, or they might have specific reasons why they know certain elements of their audience would need a payment plan because of, you know, situations of where they live in the world or um, experiences that they may have had in the past, those kinds of things where they decide my payment plan is just going to be my full pay divided by six, 10, 12, however many payments it is. And that, and that's that, and I will absorb any administrative costs on the chance that some people need to be followed up with, right? And so again, it's up to you. It's up to your your brand values and what you want to do, but making sure that every decision you make is because you've consciously thought it through from those angles rather than being like, well, this is just the launch model. This is just the way it's done. And I'm just gonna follow it because it works. And people can't say I can make six figures with this launch if I do it this way. <laughs> we wanna make sure that we're really making decisions that are in alignment with us our values, our brand, and what we think is really best for our audience. Mm. Yeah. And that's, I love that. And that you said, you know, like I'm not the ethics police because that's the truth is like the online space is not regulated in any form. And I think, you know, it's, it is really important for us to be conscious and also be conscious of who you're learning from and what you're putting out into the world. Because just because somebody says, this is the way I did it, it's the right way doesn't necessarily mean that, like you said, it aligns with your values. And I personally have gone through this when I first came into the online space, I didn't know any better. And so I had used some, I guess you could say tactics in, you know, my emails and, and things like that. And I don't use count town timers and that's for me, but I do say, you know, like this is your last chance because I really do have a program that's starting and ending, you know, so like, it's not a scarcity model to force people in. It's really like, okay, we're going to start next Tuesday. You, you need to make a decision. So like you said, it's really awesome to think about it in that perspective and not to be scared either. I think there's this, this little, like this little bit of sense of like, people being afraid of getting canceled or being afraid of getting called out for things. And that's no fun either. Like you, I feel like making those conscious choices, then you can feel good in your heart that you're making the right decisions, but also stay in your lane and don't worry about what other people are necessarily doing and say, saying, and you know, everybody is doing their thing and the way they want to do it. And they'll just attract the people that they attract through those methods. So, um, so good. And I think this is a conversation that needs to happen more and more. So I'm so glad we're having it. <laughs> Um, so what are some things that people maybe 
like they're hearing this discussion and they're like, okay, I have to start thinking about this more. What are maybe some things that people tend to overlook? And this could be conscious wise and like ethical decisions or just in general um, when they're writing and crafting their copy because they're not an expert like you who's been through the trenches of the online space for so long or like myself who's been doing branding for almost 20 years. Um, what are just a few things that you would share as far as the most important pieces of like copy in general? Yeah, I mean, I know that's a very high level question. I'm putting you on the spot, but what, oh, what comes to you? I've got a couple of things off the top of my head, but like we could literally have like a whole hour long discussion about this on itself. Okay. So yes. there's, there's two things I'm going to focus on just to kind of keep the container Perfect. the way it is. Let's keep it in a container. So the first one is when we're telling our story. So especially on sales pages and emails and that kind of stuff where you have your, you know, the, the business owner tells their story of their transformation, right? Why I can help you is because I've gone from A to B and this is what happens. A lot of times we, we tell what Kelly Dales uh, refers to as the rags to riches story, right? Where it's like, I was, you know, destitute on food stamps, whatever. And I went here and now I'm making multiple six figures or a million dollars a year. And that that's it, right? That's all we hear is I went from A to B. We don't hear the part in between about how much work it took and the ups and downs that there were and that, yeah, there was failures and I shifted and I learned and I grew and I overcame that. And that is really harmful to our audience when they're reading that they're going, oh my goodness, I, I can do that too. I can do that. I can go to six figures in 90 days or you know, six months or whatever. Totally. And they're putting all of their faith in that program without and the pressure story. on themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. And I work with anxious entrepreneurs. So I know that when they see those kinds of things, it, it does, it increases that pressure of if I can't do this and there's something wrong with me. Mm -mm, no, no. <laughs> if you can't do it, it's because there's, you've missed a, a middle piece of that program that hasn't been conveyed to you. And that's, the work and the support that was required and the number, and you know, you don't know how long, how many members on their team they had to help them do that in that time frame. Like we're really missing the backstory there. And so that's the first thing is make sure when you're communicating with your audience, whether it's email, sales page, social posts, that you're giving them the whole story. I mean, like we talked about, not all the sort of details, you don't have to be like all extremely vulnerable, but within the appropriate container of, I did go from here to here and it, it was work and I had this many people supporting me and right like telling them that yes you're going to get that transformation and I absolutely can help you get there. But we're going to have to work through this together and it's going to be a journey and it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows there's going to be some times where you're going to feel challenged and that's why we need to do this together. Because I'm going to be able to i've been there, I know all of those pieces and I can help you get through that right don't. Mm, don't downplay your story don't make it Cinderella there was no magic fairy you know fairy godbrother they went bibbity bobbity boot and you turned into like this <laughs> new person. There was work involved um, so that's my one soapbox. The other one is a really easy shift that anybody listening can make is to go through your copy go through your sales page whatever and look at the state the you statements. Right, because copy is very you focused, you driven. And really have a look at those statements and look at when I'm using the word you, 
am I using it in a way that is suggesting a negative connotation about you're struggling, you're failing, you're the problem, essentially is what we're telling them. And I'm your saver, savior. We really want to have a look at this idea of thinking, okay, is there a way we can distance that you and make it more of a collective? Because it's not that person's problem. They're not the reason they're in that situation. We live in a culture. We live in a community. We, are, we don't live in little bubbles. <laughs> Everything that's going on around us is impacting our ability to work within the culture that we have. And so if we're struggling with time management, if we're struggling with whatever it is that you're trying to sell within your program, it's not that individual's fault. It's they're trying to operate within an ecosystem and there are challenges in that that you can help them figure out how to better operate within that system. It's not them, it's not, they're not broken and needing to be fixed. The system is broken and you're gonna help them figure out how to navigate that in an easier way, a faster way, whatever your promise is in your program. And this does two things. First of all, one, this gets away from that, that bro marketing of making, blaming and shaming the client into taking action. And the second thing is, if you've broken down your, your, your client or your potential person and making them feel like there's something wrong with them, they're not going to get the transformation up from your program because now you've got to help them rewire their brain to understand that it's not them, that they are capable, that otherwise they're going to have mindset issues and self-sabotage. So you don't want to start from that negative place. You want to build them up right from the very beginning of that sales page saying, oh, it's not you. This is the world we live in today. And... I can help you navigate it so that you're not experiencing these challenges, right? This will help you. This is the transformation you can get so you can, can live in this world, in this environment, in a better way, in a healthier way, in a more happier way. Again, whatever your program promises. So that's the first part. And then use the you statements in the positive pieces right? So that they can see what's possible for them. That's where you can use the you statements because you want them to be able to picture themselves and envision themselves in this wonderful, uplifting, empowering way. Mm, so good. That is gold right there, ladies and gentlemen, mostly ladies listening. <laughs> um, thank you, Kristen. It's so beautiful. And it reminds me, you know, like in the brand story piece, we talk about you as the guide, you're not a savior showing up. I'm going to fix all of your things, you know, I'm here to guide you. I love what you said on the journey and also the turning point of that. It's, it's really not their fault. Like you said, it's, it's the context of the world, which is really interesting because that's the next question I had for you before we start to wrap up here today was, you know, we both share in this, um, I guess, shared value of not having the hustle and hard work. And I think it's because we both came from a place of hard work and hustle, whether it was in like academics and corporate or um, our first years as entrepreneurs, because it's it felt like the only way to do things. And I think there's a shift in that too happening right now. Um, a lot of women especially are waking up. And like you said, during the last couple of years, like, why am I working so hard? This where did my why go? What am I so passionate about? And um, so I know you've really worked on your creating your business in a way with boundaries and, and, you know, managing your time. And I was able to take a sabbatical this summer, which was amazing. And it's not like there aren't seasons. I have busy seasons and less busy seasons. So like, you can't beat yourself up if you find yourself back in that place a little bit, but like put boundaries around it. So I'd just love to just hear your thoughts on that. And any tips that you've, when you've 
kind of shifted and navigated that and come out the other side, like what's one tip for a woman who's listening today and was just like, oh, I'm just so tired of working so hard all the time. And it feels overwhelming. And it's like, well, I, a lot of times it's tied to money too. Like, well, if I work less, I'm not going to make the money. Um, and actually I'm going to have a whole nother episode on this or like series on this topic later. So we don't have to go into depth, but just because you've been on that journey, I'd love for people to hear from you. Yeah. So one of the biggest things I had to constantly ask myself is for every single task that I sat down to do, whether it was in my ClickUp or just handwritten on a post-it note, because I thought about it at nighttime was, okay, two things. First of all, is this going to get me closer to my goal? Or is this just a little distraction, right? So that's the thing, right? There's tons of shiny object syndrome happening on space. So for every single thing I would look at, okay, I'm going to send this email. Is this email going to get me closer to my goal? I'm going to create this social post. Is this particular post going to get me closer to my goal? Or is this a little distraction, right? Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing, especially when you're in that season of chaos, right? We we all have that, whether you're launching, whether for me, it's September in, in my personal life. We have five birthdays, two anniversaries. My husband goes on a golf trip each year. His hockey league starts and his golf league is still going like September is insanity. So what I constantly am doing is I'm looking at going, okay, what if I didn't do this? Mm. And then looking at probably nothing, <laughs> probably nothing. Is it going to impact my revenue? Probably not because the majority of my clients come from this particular source. So guess what? I didn't post on social, right? The world did not end. Nobody came to me and emailed me going, hey, where'd you go? I haven't seen you on social. When I started posting again, they just started replying again. So if you have that busy season, ask yourself, what's going to happen if I don't do this? And mm. then give your, yourself permission to take it off the list for that week or that month or whatever it is and resume it later when when you have the capacity in your business or when it makes sense for what's coming up in your business or what have you. So good and so true. Awesome. All right. So as we kind of wrap it up here, of course, I have to ask you about legacy because this is the Legacy Lounge. So first, I'd just love to hear like what does legacy mean to you and why it is important? Yeah. So legacy to me means being known for something, something for me, something important, right? That I've made a difference in somebody's world. Um, and knowing that God forbid something were to happen to me in, you know, the next six months, a year or whatever, what would people be saying about the work that I did in the world? Um, you know, again, how did I contribute? And it, it could be contributing to my family. It can be contributing on the business level. It can be contributing to the community. But what what is involved in that? And I know when I went through Legacy Brand Foundations, we actually did look at all of those pieces, right? What what was the legacy of this brand I was building? And did it have elements of me contributing in community format and what have you? And so for me, that's what it is. It's looking at what are people going to look back and say um, about me as a person and what I, what I was contributing in the world. So good. Awesome. And on that note, what are you most excited and proud about creating or doing that will stand the test of time? Yeah. So, I mean, definitely creating conscious copy is something that's really important because I think the more people that do it, the more people that know about it, then that will stand the test of time because we will be shifting the face of what people are experiencing online. I mean, I have two daughters and my hope is that by the time that they are teenagers, that they are not marketed yes. to in that shame or blame context, that people are being more conscious of the marketing. Um, and I 
I focus quite a bit on working with um, anxious entrepreneurs. So you don't have to have diagnosed anxiety, but people who are experiencing really chronic overwhelm um, and helping them work through that so that they can continue to build their business. They can continue to thrive. They can not have these constant periods of hustle where they they feel like they're just waking up and what what is the point, right? Like I was feeling in 2020, like what on earth am I doing? Um, and really kind of seeing a way forward that aligns with their values and their vision for what it is that they wanted to do. So they don't have to give up. Yeah, it's so important because I think there's so many people with amazing gifts to give the world and those things can hold us back. So, so good. All right. Well, everyone, if you would like to connect with Kristen, we're going to put that down in the show notes, kristenwestcott.com or on LinkedIn. So just right below the episode, that should be pretty easy to reach her. And Kristen, just so grateful to have this conversation today. It's so awesome working with you and weaving that conscious copy into people's legacy brands. Um, just so grateful to know you and to have you um, as part of your legacy brand and for the work that you're doing in the world. So thank you for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. And remember, if you're not consciously building a legacy, you're simply building a brand unconsciously. I hope this discussion with Kristen inspired you to take action, even if it's simply moving the needle 1% towards the direction of your legacy. Because if we all focus on making an impact together, the ripple effect will truly make a difference. I'll see you here next time in the Legacy Lounge. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Lounge podcast. Connect with me on Instagram at Tiffany Newman Creative. I would also love to hear your feedback to see what resonates with you and what you'd like to hear in the future. If you love this episode, please provide a review and we will be forever grateful. You can always find links and resources shared on the show by going to yourlegacybrand.com. Remember, what you leave behind is not what is engraved in stone monuments, but what is woven into the lives of others. What are you doing today to pour into others and to leave your legacy? 